Welcome to another episode of Recap Discussion. Um, these are the more loose episodes where we kind of discuss what's going on, um, things that are a bit more personal to us. And th there's something uh, that, Anthony, you you actually brought to my attention um, a little while ago, and it kind of stuck with me. And I, I wanted to kind of hash this out with you guys, because it the more I you know thought about it and the more I did some research, the more I realized that this has actually been a thing for quite some time. And uh, I just thought it was important to inform people about what's happening right now. So I want to talk about voter suppression. That's what this today, that's what this is going to be about. But I, I want I want to start this discussion with a few things specifically. Let me let me define that term for anyone who isn't quite familiar with what it is or what it means. Voter suppression in general can be defined as a strategy used to influence the outcome of any election by discouraging or preventing specific groups of people from voting. And the reason this came up is because of Trump's actions regarding the post office. Because we live in a COVID world and a lot of people for their own health and safety were planning to mail in their ballots. In fact, in, in a lot of the local elections that have happened um, since COVID has become a thing, me and my wife have voted with mail-in ballots. And I just, I just can't wrap my head around the fact that our president has openly admitted to not wanting to give funds to the post office so that way people can't vote. Like I, I, that's not only just hard to wrap my head around that, that just seems like something a president shouldn't be doing. And I had a lot of things that I wanted to, to cover, but first I just want to get you guys' uh, general opinions on the whole Trump post office situation. I cannot believe that this dude, this president, use a nice word i cannot believe that we are at the point where the president of the united states walks in front of a camera and just admits to doing the crimes in public he just stands in front of the whole country in front of god in the world and just admits the crime he just he doesn't even try to hide it he doesn't try to disguise it he doesn't try to sugarcoat it with some political language that is you know uh, convoluted enough that it gives him some sort of shield. He just doesn't. He doesn't bother. He goes out front of the camera and he says, well, if I don't fund the post office, they can't do mail-in voting. And that's why I'm not going to do it. And he just says it to everybody. And after four years, we've become so uh, jaded by like an everyday procession of irresponsible criminal-esque behavior that it doesn't even make a blip. It barely makes a news story when the president just admits to it in public now. Like, at least Nixon had the good the good decency to, to, to do his crimes in private until he got busted. At least he was de like a better brand of criminal. I mean, <laughs> can we at least get a better brand of crook? <laughs> no. This is what we're stuck with. Apparently so yeah, not. so yeah, that's my take on the ridiculousness of the president of the United States walking out in front of the whole world and just admitting that he's targeting the post office as a political strategy. 
So that's all right. So as awful as that is, that's not even honestly, as far as Trump is goes, like it's not even a new low. It's not it's not even a new low. Um what upsets me is the uh, irresponsibility of the Republican Party and the politicians involved to just be like, yeah, nope, we're back in that play. We're gonna let that stand. Like for a moment, reverse the parties. Reverse the parties just for a moment. Suppose Trump went ran as a Democrat and we were, you know, demo- and say Democratic fascists. Um, <laughs> bear with me. Uh, can, 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 can those can those two <laughs> words even exist in the same phrase? Yes, yes they can. Um, <laughs> we're not talking about this, but yes, Alex, please. <laughs> but like, so just. Can you imagine, and I say, imagine the uproar. Imagine the uproar and Bible thumping and uh, shaming that Republicans would be doing if this were a Democratic president saying, democracy is, is, a, is bad for me right now, so let's just get rid of it. Yep. Uh, Francine just asked a question in the chat. If it's illegal, why is Congress letting the president get away with it? Which, Josh, uh, as we mentioned, don't underestimate Alex and I's ability to run in a way you cannot possibly anticipate with Pretty anything. Fair. Because Pretty look, fair. I got some real bad news for people. It's only it's only illegal if Congress punishes the president for it. I got some real bad news for people about what their constitution looks like. That's the mechanism the mechanism to stop a president is impeachment. That's it. That's we it. Did that. There's no, there's no tricky way around this. If you're not going to impeach the president for behavior that is clearly politically outside the bounds of what is acceptable, there's nothing to stop the president from doing whatever he wants to do. Like, uh, yes, the president can be impeached uh, as many times as necessary until you get him out of the office. But politically, obviously, like, because Francine just asking the president to be impeached twice or more. Um, but the idea that the president is not bound by the law in the same way a normal person is. So well, it's you, you have to impeach and remove a president when he does something like this. Right. You, <laughs> right. Because Mueller says as much. And it was like, did the president commit right. crime? Yes. If you weren't president, would you prosecute him? Yes. If he wasn't president, would you arrest him? Yes. Right. But he's the president. You can't. Why? Why does that matter? So, Francine, again, is he above the law? Okay, so here's a practical question. Can you take a president to court? Think about this practically. Think about this practically. Could you hold, could you find a jury of people who don't have an opinion on the president? Nope, you sure can't. And good luck shutting down your entire city during the trial. You would have to shut down your city. Literally, your whole city would have to stop moving. The FBI and the Secret Service would camp out in your entire downtown area for months. Yeah. All movement of people would stop. You cannot practically take a president to court. So you have to impeach and remove the president. That's, that's the mechanism. And if you're not willing to do that, if because of partisanship you can't remove a president when they do something that is blatantly outside the realm of normal political activity, then what you're going to be left with is what you have right now to circle back to what we're talking about. 
the president is allowed to interfere with the post office in order to help him himself win, and there's nothing you can do to stop it. Without overriding partisanship, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Like what Congress is going to have to do is they're going to have to fund the post office. And when the president vetoes it, they're going to have to go over his veto. That's it. So, but this, that only goes so far, right? That only goes so far. Right. Um, because, so this is the, this is the other part. So you can be like, yeah, this is, um, this was, uh, like a gross, like a, say grossly illegal or whatever. It's like the president, like the post office is a, like, is a member of the executive. It is an executive service. Yep. And there is nothing, um, to be extra constitutional, um, there's nothing that says that the, that the post office has to work. Yeah. It's not written anywhere. It just has to if, exist. If, if I want to run the least efficient post office ever, I can. There's no, there's nothing stopping them. Yeah. That's the plan. That's the play. That's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. I, I mean, well, there are already posts, there are already posts from, um, say from families of um, people needing their medication that comes to them through the post yep. office and it's coming late. And yep. um, it's a matter, like I say, it's a matter of time before we start, you know, in addition to the COVID deaths and everything else, you just have medication didn't arrive on time, died. Yep. Yep. You have to impeach and remove the president. And if the president does something criminal, he is held, uh, that goes to the Supreme Court which is the only court in the land that could possibly prosecute the president for a criminal offense. Which doesn't that go back to the, uh, and since Trump loves Andrew Jackson so much, uh, doesn't it just go back to Jackson? I mean, yeah, like we, we haven't, we've never really had to settle these arguments because we've never had a president really try so brazenly to, uh, use the office in such a way. So we haven't really answered these like tricky constitutional questions yet, but yeah, again, uh, the president should be impeached and removed for this with the post office. Like to, to be very clear, he's using the power of the office to try to interfere explicitly with an election to help himself win. He should be impeached and removed. And if they're not willing to do that, then they're just going to let the country break in half. Or resign. That's the other. Or resign. He could do that. Do your job. Resign. President That's- Trump, feel free to resign. I mean, I, I feel like if he was going to, he would have a long time ago. But. Yeah. Um, going back into this this whole this whole conversation about voter suppression, I want to go ahead and highlight a few things that I found in my research uh, because this I didn't know about, and I feel like a lot of people who are within my age range, like a lot of people who are a bit younger, uh, millennials and younger, uh, things along those lines, don't always remember that the Voting Rights Act of 1965 is what gave black people the right to vote. Like it's literally only been 55 years since we could vote in, in our nation. Like, yep. I was, I for, hold on. That's actually, that's actually a little bit more complicated, right? Um, so after, (laughs) I see that, Josh. All right. Um, so after the civil war, Black people had the right to vote. Yep. It wasn't constitutionally <laughs> it wasn't constitutionally said, but it was um I'm gonna say but like I say, but it was allowed. 
and we actually saw a bunch of um, of black congressmen and black politicians from, say, from the South in these neighborhoods. Anthony, do you want to cover how this ends? Yeah, this ends with the South freaking the hell out when uh, black people started to win, and they were like, well, we can't allow them to uh, have the right to vote because they might win. And they might be effective, which which they were. These new uh, black black politicians were effective. And that was really bad for the South because they had built their entire thing on the idea that blacks are uh, incapable and incompetent and uh, can't possibly do this higher this higher process of running a government. And then black people got in office and all of a sudden they were saying, well, shit, they can't do it. Yep. So that's how we ended up with uh, a bunch of Jim Crow stuff. Yeah, there was like a period right after slavery, but before Jim Crow, where uh, where black people were voting and in office. Hmm. Yeah. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, so, like yeah. That, say, so that right, that whole, um, let's uh, get the vote, you know, black people the right to vote. It wasn't to get the right to vote. It was the right to, it was the, to get the right to vote again. Yep. Yep. A real crucial distinction. <laughs> that is a very big distinction. Didn't didn't know that. Yeah. But what I, what I was leading to originally was that the in our nation's founding, the original right to vote in in any election was held by property owning white males, and you can obviously understand why that's incredibly uh, non inclusive. Because obviously not everyone owned property, and not everyone was white. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, as, as we've discussed, there were lots of situations where people were, uh, you know, marching and protesting for the right to vote, and that obviously led to uh, both women and people of color being able to vote. But uh, the, what I was specifically trying to focus on was what happened uh, basically right after the Voting Rights Act of 1965, where we have a lot of governments, especially local governments in the South, that are um, in employing suppression tactics under the guise of preventing voter fraud. But one thing that I think is very interesting is that the actual documented cases of voter fraud have been statistically low, like very, very low. Very few people go to elections and attempt to vote in ways that like aren't themselves. Most like elections are influenced by like outside forces such as like you know cyber attacks or like messing up polling numbers or things along those lines. But very few people go in under like a false identity and then like vote and then come back later and then vote again. Like that's not a, a thing that most people tend to do if they're trying to mess up an election, because a lot of people doing that wouldn't really make all that much of a difference. However, however, um, it's like looking at the actual tactics employed, um, it's quite interesting to see how many different states in the various ways that they have, have stopped people from voting, whether it's, you know, voter ID laws, uh, you know, closing down places to get yourself uh, 
you know, register to vote, closing down your polling places. That's a big thing right now. Um, back in the day, poll taxes, grandfather clauses. Like, I just, I just was shocked at this thing that I, I, for whatever reason, I had believed Trump messing with the post office was, I mean, obviously it's like a new thing because no, no one's ever really tried to do that before. Or at least that, well, sorry, I, I can't say that. That's that's factually incorrect. But uh, no, no president has ever been, as you said, this blatant in, in, in their ways to sabotage an election. But the, the farther back I go, the more I realize that this has been happening for quite some time. And I just wanted to get you guys' opinion on that because I, as you, as I'm now well aware, you know a bit more about this than I do. Well, I, I look, I love the point that you're making here, man. Um, people kind of, I think, need to realize uh, democracy doesn't run itself. You don't just set it on cruise control and let it go for the rest of time. Every generation has to refight the same battles that the last two generations fought. That's just how it goes. I mean, you will constantly see a rise of people attempting to abuse power, attempting to stop the vote. Uh, it was black people fighting for it in the 60s. It was the women's suffrage movement fighting for it in the early 20th century. You just got to keep renewing it every few decades. You just got to rewater the tree. Like, it doesn't grow on its own. It doesn't, it doesn't just keep running itself. It's not magic. There's nothing that'll make it go. If we don't, if we don't make it go, it won't go. It'll stop. It'll die with us. And that's not being overly dramatic. That's just an acknowledgement of the history you pointed out. So look, we're going to have to fight this fight right now, just like we had to fight this fight 20 or 30 years ago, and they had to fight it 40 or 50. We're going to have to keep doing it so that, you know, our kids and grandkids uh, can have a democracy to fight for in 60 years. <laughs> like, that's the deal. One day we'll be old men, and it'll be our grandkids, and they'll be like, yeah, look, you get to do the thing we had to do when we were your age. Sorry, guys. It, that's the deal, man. <laughs> well, let us tell you about 2020. <laughs> they, uh, and I'm, I'm always uh, – I always go back to the it's, – and now it's a, it's a fable. I don't know that it's actually true, and, like, we'll never really know. But it's like the, there's that uh, – the proverb of uh, Benjamin Franklin in Philadelphia – and someone comes up to him, so what do we got, a republic or a monarchy? And yep. Franklin responds, a public, if we can keep it. Yep, yep. Actually, I, I mean. It's a republic, if you can keep it. You, us, all, I all mean, of us. Like, like you said, you, it is an ongoing battle. It is a constant battle. It's never won. Yep, yep. I mean, uh. I've got to, <laughs> you guys are going to be like, Carrie Anthony goes again, but. Oh boy. But. Here we go. <laughs> is, this, is this a fabled spicy Anthony? <laughs> no, this is a, look, uh, the, the, there's a famous Jefferson quote. And again, before we do it, full stop, F Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> but there is a famous quote that he says, uh, the tree of liberty is basically says a tree of liberty uh, must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. That's like the, it's a great quote. And again, full stop, he was a monster and should be 
his morality should be discarded into the trash bin of history. But that is a damn good quote. Ain't it though? <laughs> I said, ah. Even a blind nut finds a you know, blind squirrel blind finds nut. a nut. A blind, blind nut squirrel. Finds a blind nut finds a squirrel, <laughs> blind squirrel finds a nut, as long as they're getting together. <laughs> but look, no, that's the idea behind that, right? Because you know, the backstory to that is they were so afraid of another revolution after the first one. And he was basically like, look, every once in a while, little revolution might not be so bad. Keep the keep keep things keep things oiled. But that's the idea, right? Every generation, you gotta fight for your democracy. You gotta fight for your republic, you gotta fight for your rights. Yes, it is tiring, it is exhausting, but that's the deal. The minute we stop fighting, we lose it forever. So now's the time to fight. I mean, it seems silly to say this over the post office, but look, this is an attempt to hijack our, our government, this attempt to hijack democracy. And if you're I, not I fighting really, for this, what are you fighting for? And I, I really don't even believe like that can be considered hyperbole anymore. Like I, I know a lot of people who like as as these things are happening and as Trump's like doing what he's doing, there, there's a lot of people that I know of who are like, yeah, it's not that bad. Like he he's not actually doing that. Like they're they're you know they're they're over talking. Like it, it's not he's not doing all of that. It's crazy. And then we get situations like this, and I'm like, how can you like how can you try to tell me that this is anything other than what it blatantly is like this is crazy uh, do we do we know if any other like specifically republican uh voices are speaking out about this um if they are i haven't heard them go public with it i mean i'm sure there's been some dissenters there's always some but as like a large enough block to, to make a difference. I, I haven't heard anything. I'm sure if you pin Mitt Romney down, he would probably object to this. There's always a few dissenters, but as a party, they've basically been in line with this. Um, or at least they're publicly falling in line, even if they don't privately support it, which it's just, it's just as bad. It's yeah, just, it's a, yeah, correct. Distinction without a difference. Um, you know, what you mentioned, man, about the hyperbole, I struggle with that every day, to be honest. When I, when I sit down to write, uh, I scrap like 90% of my words because I can't find the line between hyperbole and reality anymore. I just can't find it. Um, my pieces come in too hot. Francine is like, okay, this was good. And then you went on like a five paragraph tangent. I'm like, I know, I just can't, I can't help it. Like my mind breaks. Um, so I scrap it all and start over again. I've deleted like five separate pieces, right? I can't find the line anymore. The line between reality and hyperbole doesn't exist because Trump has blurred it all like together. Th this is a hyperbolic situation. Like there's, right. there's, there's like nothing in me that would have ever told me we had a president like this even like i i know i know people who on election day back in 2016 were in tears because they got elected and my brain was like okay like i'm i'm not going to i'm not going to call them any names here even though i definitely should but like i like it it can't get that bad Right? Like, I know what kind of person he is. 
I've seen the show. I, I did a little bit of digging. Like, I, I get the persona of Donald Trump, but, like, who respect the office, right? Like, it's the president. He can't be that bad. Right. And then we got four years of him, and I'm like, can we, can we not, please? Can we just uh, not? Yeah. Like, I, I don't. I, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like this before, and I really hope we, as a nation, never have to again. Well, <laughs> I hope we don't. I don't think we're done with it, though. Um, you can't put the genie back in the bottle, right? Nope, you can't. You can't. The Look, the force of partisanship, the force of just... Uh, this is so much more, but these forces that led us to Trump, they're not going away. No. Even if he loses, even if he loses decisively, they're not going to go away. Like the the next person who does this will just be better than Trump. They'll be slicker than Trump. They'll be smoother than Trump. They won't announce to the world why they're committing the crimes. They'll just, Commit him and never say behind anything. closed doors, and we'll be dealing with the fallout for 15 years. Right. I mean, that's that's the next stage of this. Um, you know, there we have made things input to political conversations that don't belong there, like the post office. The post office d- does not belong in the realm of politics. It is not a political thing. It shouldn't ever be in this conversation in the first place. But now it is. It's just like we talked about with mask wearing, right? This should not be a political stance. And yet now, my unabashed support of the post office is apparently a political stance now. <laughs> but yeah, to uh, address your uh, comment, Josh, again, I, I, I'm apparently feeling philosophical today. I'm going to go back to the McCarthy hearings, right? <laughs> At long last, have you left no sense of decency? Have you no decency, sir? <laughs> yep. That was the famous line. Yep. Have you no sense of decency? Um, it's impossible to imagine something like that occurring today. Yes. Uh, so, no, it's not impossible to, um, it is impossible <laughs> to imagine it having any effect. That's actually correct. Right. Right. And I don't, you know, again, this is about so much more than what we're talking about, but look, until we rein this in the degree of stuff that our partisanship and politics is just going to break. It's limitless. There is no, there, there is no limit to what can be broken by these forces. It, It doesn't stop. I mean, we, we voters are going to have to stop it on our own. We're going to have to stop it outside of the politicians. We're going to have to stop it without them being a part of the solution, I think, which is. How does that again, work? Well, How and I'm not saying work? this, and I'm not saying this in some crazy revolutionary way. I'm saying this in like a, we're going to have to dedicate ourselves to just continuing to vote out literally every single person until we can get a group of people in there that'll start to put this thing back together again. And I don't know, look, and I don't know if we can do it. I don't know if we have the will or the focus or the dedication or the patience to do it or the resources to do it. But, you know, we mentioned this on our earlier episode today, right? 
It has now been six weeks of Congress negotiating on a bill to support people during a once every 100 year crisis. And they are talking about being on vacation till September. And honestly, that's, I don't know what to tell people. Congress is going to let people get evicted. They're going to let Americans be thrown onto the streets because their partisanship prevents them from voting a bill to help them. That's what's actually happening right now. Here in Indiana, the moratorium lifted Friday. That means people start getting evicted. I know this because I work with apartment complexes for my job. I work with apartment complexes all over the state of Indiana. And even the good leasing offices who are full of great people, they don't own their companies. They've got the evictions locked and loaded because they've been told to get them locked and loaded. Yep. So as of Saturday morning, they're going to eviction court. That's what's going to happen because Congress won't actually pass a bill to help people. You have to throw them out and you have to keep throwing them out and keep throwing them out until you get enough in there to do the damn job. That's what we have to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to leave us with a few specific thoughts as we, as we wrap this up. So I, I fundamentally agree that that's how our process should work. I don't believe that we as a group of voters have the capability of agreeing enough to actually do that. But yes, that's absolutely how it should work. But tying this back to the original point, um, I, I want to leave us with some numbers because this is just kind of a snapshot of a specific location, but it's something that's happening everywhere. And I'm pretty sure if you're on social media, you've seen this shared at least one or two times in areas that you live in. There, are, there is an area of Georgia that has seven counties and that seven counties contains well over 100 150,000 people. And all of those people in seven counties have exactly one polling place to vote. Exactly one polling place. Like this is not happening like at random. This is intentional. And when I looked up that area, the, the area itself is predominantly a black and Latino area in fact even in texas like there's a there's some some information that i found here um that the mcclennan county which is home to waco texas closed 44 percent of its polling places from 2012 to 2018 despite the fact that the population of that area grew by more than 15,000 people during that same time period. But two thirds of that growth is coming specifically from black and Latinx communities. Like this is targeted, this is intentional. People, I, I, I wanted to talk about this today to bring light to the fact that this is happening not only just in Southern states, but literally everywhere. Even in, here in good old Indiana, this shit is happening literally everywhere. And it's something that we can't, if, if we actually want to make change here in America, our most important right, the right to vote, should not be fucked with. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like, that's absolutely it. I, that's, that's, that's all I really it. gotta say is, <laughs> is exactly that. That's absolutely it. Nope. There it is. There it is. So, on that note. <laughs> uh, yes, there it is. That's my mic drop moment. This has been a podcast brought to you in part by LEI Productions, a studio for podcasters and musicians, and of course, Pointcast News. To listen to any of our other podcasts, please go visit our website at pointcast.news, or you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Also, be sure to like and follow us on Facebook. That's where we interact with you guys the most. That's where all our polls and stuff are. We really like hearing from you guys there. Thank you for listening today and for listening any other times that you have listened. And please, 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 please make sure that you are registered and find a good way to cast your vote in a few months. I don't care if you have to go to the wealthiest white neighborhood to actually put your ballot in there, or if you got to drop it off yourself at the the county clerk's office, please make your voice heard. Anytime before this November or specifically this November, make it happen. Yep. Have a good night.